My name is Xavier Zarr and I'm the CEO of Federation Square. And today I have the very great pleasure to be joined by Fred Alale, Chair of the African Music and Cultural Festival. Welcome, Fred. Thank you, Xavier. It is indeed a beautiful day. We can date this podcast. I think, what is it? You mentioned it to me a moment ago, nine days straight? No, 10 days straight. 10 days straight. It's music to my ears. And um, I've just come in from the outside. I think it's nudging 27. Uh, The sun is shining and Melbourne feels like it's waking up. How was your day today? Brilliant day. Just as you said, I'm in the southeastern suburbs. It's nice and beautiful here. The sun is shining. Everybody, there's a vibe in the air with the general feeling that Melbourne is really waking up, especially with the uh, lifting of the restrictions around the, the separation between regional Victoria and metro Victoria today. Can't wait to get to the Mornington Peninsula. (laughs) You and about a million others. One state again. But let's talk about the month that is. It's uh, it's November, which for us is a really special time at Fed Square. It's um, Multicultural Month. And in a pre-COVID time, this place would be jumping to the sounds of, to people just, you know, celebrating everything that makes Melbourne great. And you are at the heart of one of our biggest festivals. You know, when you grace our square you represent 35 different african community organizations Forty thousand people come over the course of a weekend how did you make that happen fred wow how did we make it happen look it's been a long journey this is our seventh year but right at the heart of that journey is fed square the support of fed square and the amazing team that have helped us grow from the first year where we had less than 8,000 people there to the last year pre-COVID where we had over 40,000 people attending through the day. It was an idea that came up when we thought, what can we do to really bring the African community together, showcase the best of them to the rest, to the wider community, to the wider Victorian community in a way that breaks down the barriers um, to barriers to understanding and tolerance uh, with each other. And we thought, hey, we could do something fun, something that's easy for people to engage with. What about music? What about foods? Melbournians love their foods. Let's do something, the best of African foods, the best of African music, the best of African culture, right at the heart of Melbourne, which Fed Square is. So Fred, go back in the time machine to before the festival. What was that genesis moment? Um, what was that point at which you thought this would be a great idea and how did you make it happen? Well, the genesis moment. So I was the treasurer of the Nigerian Society of Victoria, relatively small community, roughly maybe about 3,000 when you count um, the children, mostly maybe born here. And um, we went to the then Victorian Multicultural Commissioner, Chin Tan, and this was in 2013. And we said to him, hey, um, we'd like to bring a big Nigerian artist to Melbourne because Nigerian artists, um, prominent ones, are huge and massive across Africa and um, they draw crowds, they fill stadiums. I mean, and so we thought, let's bring an artist here and really do something big. And he said to us, and it's going to cost a lot of money. And it was his, then he said to us, Fred, you're one community within the African community. And 
there's no way in which I can invest so much money from Victoria Multicultural Commission point of view in just that one community. He said, if there was something that you could do to really bring the African community together, which is a wider community, and leverage the skills and professionalism within the Nigerian community that you have to raise some of the standards within other communities, that will be something I'll, I'll be willing to back and support. So we thought, okay, Let's think. And then he said to me, he said, because a lot of things that happen, he said, a lot of African events are maybe, maybe Horn of Africa or smaller segment of Africa. And also in his view, they went well organized. And he actually used a word then that, you know, there's some capacity lacking there. And so, wow, I was like, wow, you think we don't have that capacity? And then I was talking to my colleague then, Ike Wokolo, who was the president of the Nigerian community then. And he was with me at that meeting with Chintan. And it's like, he says we lack capacity. And that just got us thinking that let's show him we've got capacity. And he just said, what is it that we can do to really turn things around from an African perspective? And then we started, thought, well, okay, one thing that we could relatively do, we enjoy doing is the bubbly nature, is the, um, is the cultural nature of Africa, music and dance. Let's do something like a cultural festival. And it's like, wow, that was a great idea. And so that's where AMCF was born and implanted. Now it still took another year from then to actually bring it to reality. When my, the Icon then the president, and handed me, finished his term and handed the presidency of the Nigerian Society of Victoria over to me. And then, uh, and I took it on. And then my then vice president, Uche um, Njoku, uh, I shared the idea with him. And Uche was like, Fred, that's such a great idea. Let's get it started. Let's get it started. And then it was then that I was like, okay, so Uche was the one that actually gave me the impetus and the kick to say, Fred, We've talked about it enough. Let's make it happen. What are the steps, next steps we need to take? Then we went back to Victoria Multicultural Commission saying, this is a concept we have, and this is what we want to do. And it was like, Fred, do you, do you think you can really pull that off? I said, yes, we can. And we can bring the community together, bring the best minds in the African-Australian community together to deliver a large festival that Melbourne, that will be right at the heart of Melbourne, and Melbourne would really enjoy and Victoria will really enjoy. That's where AMCF started from. Oh, there's a lot to unpack there, Fred, because uh, I'm not sure if I'd be offended um, or energised by the challenge. You've been asked to bring an entire continent together, which I don't know, a, a casual observer of European history would suggest that after several millennia of conflict, you know, it was only the EU that promised something like unity. So congratulations. Secondly, I think twice you mentioned that your, uh, the, the capacity to deliver this was questioned. Clearly, you've proven them wrong. I'm fascinated for you to just describe the, the broad coalition, your committee. It must be enormous. It is enormous. It's an enormous task. So we've got over... Um, so our committee, the steering committee, comprises of over 30 people, individuals, and from over... 20 different cultures and that's just the steering committee then when we now look at the artists that actually perform on that day they're not part of the steering committee that brings the participation to at one year we had almost 40 countries participating in the festival and um, now we've got roughly about 35 african communities that are actively involved in the planning and delivery of the festival you require a lot of skills around negotiation 
empathy, um, patience, and understanding of other cultures. And actually, for me too, that experience has been fantastic because my background was Nigerian, is Nigerian. And in Nigeria, the equivalent of it will be when a lot of people think um, people from America, you meet a lot of people in America and they don't know much about the rest of the world. Only the few that travel know a bit more. But Americans think the world revolves around them and they don't really pay attention to what else is going on around the world. But that's because they've got everything they need and so on, so they don't need to go. The same thing was with Nigeria. We thought uh, Nigerians would think, oh, giant of Africa, you got everything. We didn't actually learn more about a few other African communities. So with this experience of working with a breadth of people from different communities actually educated me myself about different African cultures, different values, different um, foods. And, and I was like, wow, I'm actually learning this. Talk less of um, other cultures, non-Africans, and which even gave me that um, clarity in my mind that actually we need to do this. We need to showcase the best of African culture to the rest of the Victorian community and to the rest of the Australian community. So you've created a, a double bridge. I mean, there's a bridge between the African community and the Victorian community, Australian community, but even within this incredibly diverse and rich set of communities that comprises, and I say glibly, the African community, because that would be like suggesting that we have a European festival. Like, what would that be, right? <laughs> so um, that's fascinating. You know, was that what you thought would occur? Or was that just a, a bonus that emerged? In terms of personal education myself about other African cultures and breeding that gap and that bridge with other African cultures, that was a bonus that occurred. I wasn't anticipating that. What I was anticipating was like, bring some really good people together professionals that knew what they were talking about. I wanted to debunk that lack of capacity image and to say, let's, we do this in our daily lives, working with large organizations. At that point, I worked for a big four accounting firm and, you know, I was an associate director there. And so, and so I worked with large organizations to improve their performances. And why can I not put that skills back into the African community? So I was just thinking, like, let's do this great festival, bring it together and showcase the best. So it was, uh, I guess, the for me, the learning, the cross-cultural learnings, to especially African to African culture, was a bonus for this festival. And yes, there are 54 countries in Africa. For us to pull that together and uh, pull that festival together um, is just a huge achievement. But then right at the heart of it is just a great team of people, especially even the board of the African Music and Cultural Festival. They're a very diverse board. We've got people from South Sudanese there, we're in South Sudan. We've got people from Zimbabwe on the board and uh, we've got people from South Africa. You know, so it's a very diverse board. So it's about bringing ideas and good people together um, to make something great happen irrespective of background. It's like, what do you have to con contribute? And do you have a passion to changing the narrative into a more positive narrative, leveraging the African culture? Do you get a sense, Fred, that these relationships, this familiarity, which has been forged through this collaborative project, do you think that will have a legacy around community harmony and, and cooperation going forward beyond just music and culture? Look, 
Absolutely. And the feedback that we get every year uh, from participants is just amazing. Just from that alone, we've got, um, so it's an African festival, uh, African Music and Culture Festival. However, I think only about 40% of our guests are from African heritage. The rest is the other, um, Victor, the wider Victorian communities, international visitors that also write and give us feedback. I'll share a story of uh, uh, one of our last, uh, one of our attendees last year. It was a mother, uh, an Australian mother with uh, a young kid who was of African origin, mixed heritage. And um, she wrote to us and said, thank you so much for bringing this festival together. When I was at the festival, my little boy turned around to me and said, mom, now you're in the minority here. And so, because he could see a lot of, there are a few other Africans there. There was like African culture. And he said he bought some um, necklaces from the shops there and tried some food that he was so pleased and tried some African drumming that he was so elated. And when he went to bed that night, he didn't want to take off his necklace and um, his African necklace off. Off, and he was so proud and the mother was just like thank you so much for opening up another world to my son and for him to connect with his own heritage there was also many other people from overseas that would write to us and say thank you for sharing your history with us we never we we never experienced such vibrancy and the food and the culture and the happiness that amcf delivers that it was just an outstanding day so yes in terms of um the breaking down those barriers for, and also for a lot of people too the first time they might actually experience africans could be at our festivals because they might not have worked with an african before and then they get to try african foods to say hey and you know and then that starts to personalize and change a mindset to say let's learn more oh wow you know this is the type of foods that they eat oh i'll try it and so on it's not that bad it's great it's fantastic then they see on stage too they come there and they they're really enjoying the music and they get involved in the music and they're dancing in the music and it's all about breaking those barriers down and stereotypical barriers um promoting more of a positive image and i think we've managed to achieve that um over the years and we continue to to do that so it's uh you know I, I i always reflect on my own background and think about you know what does it mean for for newer communities you know i'm the son of southern european post-war migrants you know being called walk and dago often enough but all that's in the past you know we've gone from marginal to mainstream entirely unexceptional in every way but the african community is a relative newcomer i'm keen on your perspective on what that means for the african community what the challenges are and how that intersects with your experience as the organizer of this festival. Yes, look, the African community is a new community. And as you mentioned, Zabe, other communities, when they came in here, also faced some challenges, um, being called names and, uh, and also lack of um, um, access or equitable access to opportunities. Even just look back at the Vietnamese community will be one of those too. Uh, before African uh, communities uh, started to arrive here, um, they were the community where um, would have some historical um, stories about disadvantage was experienced. So look, I think it's a journey we're in. We're, we're new to Australia, um, mostly first generation, although we've started having second generation. For example, I've got a daughter that was born in Australia here and so on. And so there are those challenges there. But the other thing about Africans that come here is um, it's almost 
the journey even for Africans here can be very different. People that come from a war-torn country have the different experience to people that come from uh, more stable uh, African countries, e.g. somebody that comes from Nigeria or Zimbabwe or Kenya, where they speak English, English speaking, their English, uh, former English colonies. And um, a lot of the migrants that come from those countries are usually highly skilled migrants. I came into Australia as a highly skilled migrant. A lot of Nigerians that came to Australia came as highly skilled migrants. Within the Nigerian community, for example, 20% of the Nigerian community in Victoria are doctors or have a doctorate. The Nigerian community is singularly the most highly educated migrant group in Australia. And, in, and that trend is also even reflected in countries like the US too. And so so they speak English so they can navigate the system better than maybe other non-English speaking communities and also other communities that also maybe come from a war-torn background. So there are numerous challenges there. And actually, that was one of the things too that we started AMCF for, to say, hey, we've got capacity, we've got talent. Let's, you know, look, my my the treasurer of the African Music and Cultural Festival, Florence Mawa, is from Zimbabwe, and she works for a top telecommunications firm in Australia, and she's an amazing in, individual. And it's like, let's bring these ideas together. The vice president works for a top IT firm in Australia, actually the world. And um, we've got um, another member on the board, Aikmo Kolo, who works for Slater and Gordon. And he was recently named one of the preeminent public liability lawyers in Victoria. So this is the caliber of people that we've got on the team that help us make African Music and Cultural Festival happen. The other thing we try and do is also beyond the music in between the music, uh, in between our festivals, we get involved in other initiatives in the community, things that empower the African-Australian community, things that provide opportunities for the youth within African-Australian community to see other people that are excelling and making uh, making a huge contribution to the advancement of Victoria and Australia as a whole, to inspire them, because ultimately you can't be what you can't see. And so to put those examples, use that as an example. So we get involved in programs and initiatives that do that. For example, I sit on the Victorian African Communities Action Plan, which is the Victorian government's response to the African communities to address issues facing the African community. So I contribute on that panel and a few other organizations that I'm part of. Likewise, to a lot of the people on the AMCF board and the AMCF steering committee team also get involved to raise the profile in, in their walk of life too. You mentioned that committee, Fred. Um, I'm keen on your perspectives of COVID-19 and the impact on African communities, given their diversity. You made that point very powerfully, but you are uniquely positioned because of your, your, your public role in that regard. What has the pandemic meant? You know, what would you like our listeners to be aware of? The pandemic has significantly impacted the African communities in Victoria. Significantly impacted because Whilst I mentioned before that we did have um, almost like a two-speed African communities, those that come from highly skilled migrant uh, heritage and those that also come from maybe refugee backgrounds or war-torn countries, we do have a, a larger proportion that come from more disadvantaged backgrounds, which means that the type of jobs that they do to are lower 
um, lower level jobs. And those lower level jobs have been significantly impacted by COVID-19. Then also we've got e issues with our youth too. There's a high number of youth unemployment within the African or Australian community uh, relative to the other communities. Women too find it more difficult to either get into the job market or, or, um, or keeping um, non-casual type jobs. So the impact of COVID where um, employees have been furloughed and reduced activity within the, within the um, economy in general has significantly impacted the African-Australian communities. But then they're not the only ones too. If you're a new migrant to a new country, you would be, but disproportionately because we're newer into Australia, we would say a more disproportional impact on those communities. So um, what I try to do and a few other Africans try to do is to bring these issues to light to the Victorian government through the Victorian African Communities Action Plan and also the interactions that we have with a lot of policymakers um, through um, their interaction and involvement in the African Music and Cultural Festival to highlight these issues to them and work with them to help um, address that um, in a more in a sustainable and meaningful way. Yeah, you've you've highlighted you know, I think an observation the premier made, but uh, but it's become evident, which is um, a, a two-speed skill and employment condition economy with um, dramatically different impacts. So you know, if you're white collar, if you're working in construction, even if you're in a bank, you know, you can do a lot of that through this. If you're casualised, marginalised, um, and it's interesting, isn't it, that um, that has health implications, public health implications. Yeah, but but actually, you look on that point. So the other thing we do with our, our sponsor, one of our sponsors is the, the Victorian Department of Education. And when we get sponsors to the African Music and Culture Festival, we don't just say, come and give us money to come and do a festival. We say to them, please, what are your objectives? We're trying to understand the objectives of that organization and the, how can we help you deliver your objectives through the entire year? So working with them in partnership. So Department of Education, for example, say, well, look, we need more teachers and more training teachers and we need more diverse teachers. So what we do with them is when they have like recruitment opportunities, we will put that through our network, through our social media platforms and email database um, to all the African community, that includes all the African community leaders and representatives to push these opportunities to say, hey, these are opportunities here for the Department of Education and Training, uh, for maybe teachers, et cetera, in there. So by that way, we also help them meet their own objectives to one, get more teachers and get more diverse um, teachers from those backgrounds. The other organization that we've been working with is Victoria Police. They've been the founding sponsor of the African Music and Cultural Festival. Again, when they're doing their recruitment too, we help them make their recruitment, the, the pool of talent more diverse and get more Africans in, interested in the opportunities that lie in Victoria Police. Break down those barriers for them that um, where they don't previously see themselves in those roles to say, actually, hey, you can do it. And we want you to do it. And Victoria Police actively wants you to get involved and be part of those communities. And I'm pleased that, you know, from our interaction, we've had increased African-Australians participating in the Victoria Police as sworn officers and even as VPS officers within Victoria Police. So that's one of those things that we also change. They say, we don't just deliver festivals. It's like, what do we do in between? How do we leverage our sponsors? How do we advocate for African-Australians for better outcomes for African-Australians? Australians through the year 
speaking with um, people of influence in government and industry. You know, Fred, I'm really glad you made those points because they go to what we were talking about a bit earlier, which is, you know, transcending from just a celebration of big food and culture to um, the community capacity build and the, the development of voice and advocacy and the capacity to inform policymakers and public policy and program deliverers so that we could actually have you know, a more cohesive uh, um, and, and a fairer society. I was really struck when we, when I joined you last year at the festival, and you know, just the the I, I will say VIPs. You know, the people in the, in the you know in the in the mosh pit out the front of the of the the stage. But actually, it, it's not that they're VIPs. They're there le as leaders of organisations across the Victorian government and community who see value in partnering with you and your committee and your festival to reach an audience that they wouldn't otherwise reach. And it's a very powerful outcome. What do you think, you know, if given your motivations here, which are fantastic, what, what's your ambition? What's the next step in impact for the festival and the committee and the community? Look, next step, step in impact is I want AMCF to be a signature event, not just for Melbourne, for Australia as a whole. I want the government to be calculating that in a week, um, uh, in the, because we're looking to make the festival, next festival, a three-day festival. So and we want to grow it to be essentially similar to Notting Hill Festival in, in the UK, where over a million people attend that. I want us to get to the stage where millions of people fly to Melbourne, where Qantas will be scheduling and doing their pricing in advance, knowing that there's the African festival happening in this weekend. The government will be calculating that they know tourists and the economy um, impact on the GDP of Victoria to be impacted positively, massively, because an African festival is happening, a spectacular showcase of the best of African music, foods and culture right at the heart of Melbourne, at Melbourne's Fed Square, growing from there and taking over a whole weekend of it. So I want to have positive quantifiable massive impact on the Victorian economy in terms of those jobs being created as a result of it, in terms of money being spent in the economy as a result of it, um, people flying in, including from overseas, to make it a destination event. That is where I want AMCF to go to. And that's where we've been going. And in that we've been growing almost an average of about 40-something percent every year, year on year, including getting our sponsors there. And for last year too, we also reached another achievement where we kept all our sponsors from the prior year and added three more new sponsors to our thing. So our sponsors keep returning and coming back to us, which means to me shows that we're delivering those values from the, value from them. We don't just take their money to deliver a festival. We work in partnership with them for the entire year. And then with that leverage that we have, we will be able to also use that as a voice for the African-Australian communities. Well, if that's a, a if that's a challenge to um, keep working with you to grow, then um, challenge accepted, Fred. We look forward to being part of that that growth trajectory. Let's let's change gear for a moment. We talked a little earlier about COVID nineteen. What's it meant for the festival this year? 
Oh, wow. Look, COVID-19, it's been disappointing from a festival point of view. We've had lots of messages from our fans who were thinking that, gosh, they were looking forward to the end of the year to really, this is a highlight. I mean, feedback from people that say, this is the highlight of my year. Um, Africans that say, I feel so proud to be in the middle of Fed Square, showcasing the best of Africa that... I just, they just, the heritage, the pride that goes being an African, uh, of African heritage, right on that day um, is palpable and people are missing that. And having said that though, we were in lockdown, we're not shut down. And we just thought, look, what can we do to still keep that spirit together, to still remind people of um, what we do and what we're about, to not just say we're just going to cancel the festival because of COVID, to show that we're resilient and organization and body of people with capacity, to say that we can actually pivot and leverage and make the most of the cards we're dealt, which is the story of resilience um, and a story of determination that um, a lot of Africans um, uh, live day by day to say, yes, we can do this. And so we've had to then go online as a virtual event. And luckily too, we've had a great partner in Fed Square who've got fantastic facilities in the Deakin Edge, uh, world-class facilities where we can make it as enjoyable as, and as interactive as possible. And also, we've also got some amazing stars that are coming. Timomatic, Australian international artist, renowned artist. So he's going to be our closing act for this virtual festival. Uh, the Lord Mayor, newly elected Lord Mayor of Melbourne. We're going to have a fireside chat with her too. And she's locked in. I've spoken to her. Again, that's part of the leverage that we have as AMCF, where we have access to those amazing people, policymakers, and so on in there. So the Lord Mayor is saying she's looking forward to it. And she will be there live at Deakin Edge to beam out to the rest of the world. We get to ask her questions, a fireside chat to her about how things are going. I'm sure people are looking forward to it. I'm just about to trigger out an email to the Prime Minister. He sent us a letter of support last year um, to congratulate us on the amazing work we do. So again, we're going to give him the opportunity. We don't expect him to be here physically, but hopefully he can actually log in for about 15 minutes and let's have a fireside chat with him. Likewise, the Premier too. So we're going to get some decision makers there as well as um, musical um, talent, amazing musical talent and entertainment. Uh, something for everyone over a six hour period from 12 o'clock to 6 p.m. on the 12th of December. It's no substitute for gathering and, and being together, but it is, I think, a testament to, to your festival and your committee and your community that you can seize that opportunity. We're really pleased to have done what we can and to keep the flame alive. And I think, um, you know, it'd just be a tragedy it, um, to, if it if it didn't occur. So, um, you know, it positions us for twenty one. You know, we're all optimistic. You're, I think, um, you know, we've got your pencil in for December twenty one. You know, we're just going to wind up for that and um, and bring the magic back to the square. Oh, look, we're really excited about that, about next year, and we're, we're gearing up for it. It's like there's a lot of pent-up celebration that we want to do. We want to go out and um, and also mark the achievement and, and the journey we've been through and come out on the other side of COVID to celebrate life, to celebrate uh, vitality and uh, uh, vibrancy. And yeah, so we're really looking forward to that. 
over three days. That is what we want to do. We want to make that mark over a weekend, uh, three days, starting from Friday, where we're hoping to showcase African film talent. So again, this is where a lot of African filmmakers don't actually have a platform to show their films. And this is what we thought, wow, we've got this massive Fed Square screen there and saying, hey, let's give them that platform to showcase the talents there. So we're going to do that or start on a Friday evening with film showing, African short films, with the food going. So people come after work, the gist come in after work, grab a bite from our wonderful um, African food vendors there and get a chair and just watch the short films before we then go into our normal Saturday where it's like a packed day of great action and even continue that into Sunday. So already we want to be advertising interstate and uh, around. And we've already got people from interstate that say, I'm not going to miss it this year. I'm going to be booking my flight. I'm going to make it a weekend of it. So we want people to make a weekend of it already starting from next year when we go live. So we're very excited about that. I, I can't wait, Fred. You know, with this, with this virtual square, I noticed, well, for us, certainly here at Fed Square, we've you know, it wasn't our preferred model. And of course, we've had to adapt. You talk about resilience, pivoting. But we've come to understand with the virtual platform that it offers an, another way of engagement that can cross over and complement the physical. Do you think you'll continue with the virtual channels as well as go to physical next year? You know what? That's the other benefit that we've come out of this um, virtual COVID environment. I think COVID as a whole has got everyone more innovative. It's got organizations thinking more innovatively. And I don't think we'll, we're not going to go back to business as usual post-COVID anymore. We're going to be doing things smarter. So part of the things we want to do. So this year, for example, Tim O'Matic is going to be performing, but he's going to be performing from Sydney. So we're linking with a Sydney studio live to our Dickin Edge studio here, and that's where it's going to do the closing act. So we just thought, okay, if we can do that, maybe next year when we do the three-day festival next year, we're looking at the weekend of uh, November 20th, Saturday, November 20th, or starting on the 19th, Friday 19th, November 2021, all the way to Sunday, um, November 21st and 2021. What we're looking to do is to even be able to bring in other jurisdictions right into the heart of Fed Square. So imagine the huge crowds that we have right at the end of Fed Square. We're just going to say, hey guys, we're just going to switch over all the way to Sydney and we're going to get you this act performing from Sydney. Perhaps we might even go all the way to another African country, actually, where we got the performance and say, hey, we're going to be beaming this from South Africa. We're going to be beaming this from Nigeria and so on. In the, and we've already got the captive audience. For the next 30 minutes, we're going to be traveling the world so huge opportunities that this presents to us and where we can use to even get more, even more engagement, even more worldwide engagement in our festival. So yes, those are some new opportunities that we're thinking about that we can continue to do maybe next year, new aspects. A global platform, you know, is exactly what we want to be. You know, we are a physical place of gathering. For, for the people of Victoria and our, and our visitors. You're making it, uh, 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 as it needs to be, a more global, open um, and, and diverse to meet. And, and then to take it to that international level, you know, that's a challenge we'd like to work with you on. I think that's where we need to be. Oh, look, um, and thank you so much, Xavier. Fed Square has been with us lockstep 
through our growth, through our progress. You've been that instrumental partner to us that's helped AMCL grow to where it is today. We couldn't have done it without you. Year in, year out, through the team, in terms of the planning and execution of the event, the critical advice that um, has been provided to us has helped make that event the success it is today. And we look forward to, to working with you well into the future and spreading out from the heart of Fed Square as we're bringing our millions of crowd into our, fest uh, our festival in the future. It's going to be step by step. We're going to be taking one step at a time. We're not jumping. We're not, it's sustainable growth, but we know where we're going. And Fed Square is right at the heart of it. That's enabled us to grow to where we are. And no doubt, we'll continue to be that great partner um, with us. And we look forward to working with you. Um, just for the sake of our listeners, I didn't pay for that. But Fred, I, not only do I agree with all of that, but I would go one step further, and that is um, you make us what we are. Festivals like yours, communities like yours, energy like yours, it, it's what makes Fed Square what it needs to be, what it is, which is everyone's square, where everything happens and we celebrate everything that makes uh, Melbourne and Victoria, you know, I think the best city in the world. Uh, I'm a Melbourne boy, born and bred. But as far as I'm concerned, you know, it is the best city in the world because it's the most accepting, generous, global, diverse, you know, it, it's hard to think of a place that is as encompassing. We have our challenges. We absolutely have our challenges. But I think, you know, all one has to do is look around the world. And, you know, it was just the election uh, weekend of the US. So, you know, one does look, but, you know, it does make one um, really celebrate what Melbourne can be and will be uh, when we get back out of lockdown. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, totally agree with you. Melbourne's home to me. I love Melbourne. I'm Victorian. I'm proud of it. I use that slogan. It's a government slogan, but it couldn't be more apt for, for me. And we chose to make Victoria home over 10 years ago. Absolutely no regrets. And in my work as a management consultant with a big four uh, firm, I've traveled to all other uh, states within Victoria and Melbourne is still the place for me and absolutely love it. The other thing is a big shout out to the Victorian government who have consistently to supported the festival from start. Even this year alone with a virtual environment, they knew the challenges in there and they put in a massive uh, grant uh, contribution for the festival this year to do the virtual festival, knowing that there will be some challenges with some sponsors because of the economic profile and they came in good. So big thank you to the Victorian um, state government, to the minister, Ross Spence, for her invaluable support and, and the premier for his on ongoing support year in, year out, always sending us great messages of support year in, year out. Fred, your enthusiasm is infectious. I feel like I'm going to leave this room and run through a brick wall because that's, that's how I feel, and that's a good thing. I just want to thank you for the time that you've given us today and, you know, the energy but also the vision. You know, you've got a highly successful festival, um, highly successful. It's one of the big ones we've got. In, it's such a valuable part of our calendar, and yet I am astounded and impressed at your ambition to go to take it further. And we're there to work with you to realise that vision. Fred, thank you. Thank you, Xavier. Thank you for your time. Thank you for inviting me to this amazing platform. Thank you for your leadership and um, your support. We really appreciate you. New episodes of Anything But Square are released every Wednesday. And we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast and sign up to our newsletter 
at fedsquare.com. Take care and we'll see you next Wednesday.